Hi, I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Marty Harding. And welcome back to another episode of Animation and Beyond. Yes, welcome. This week we'll be talking about our fishy friends in The Little Mermaid. Yes, the beloved classic Disney film, which is going to get a remake, a live action remake soon. In about 10 days from when we're recording this, so the end of May. May 26th. Indeed. Is The Little Mermaid also celebrating somewhat of an anniversary? Well, I think next year it'll be its uh, 35th anniversary. Gotcha. So a little off, but it does have this live action remake coming out, which we're very excited about. There's been a lot of hype and we're looking forward to seeing it. So we thought we'd talk about it. Yes. But before we get into that future conversation, we're going to do an actor's feature because we've got three people that Ezra wants to talk about today. Who's the first one, Ezra? That is the late, great Pat Carroll. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways. Repented, seen the light and made a switch. And Pat Carroll voiced Ursula in the 1989 Disney film. That's right. She also voiced her sister Morgana in the direct-to-video sequel, The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea. How old was Pat Carroll when she voiced Ursula? Hmm, I'm assuming like maybe in her 50s. Interesting, yeah, because I feel like Ursula is kind of an ageless character. Yes, and when Pat Carroll passed away this past year, she was 95. Wow, so she lived a long life. Yes, she did, I know. She was a comedian, and I remember she sang Poor Un- She performed Poor Unfortunate Souls, which is Ursula's song. Uh, and it's a beautiful, haunting song. Yes, one of the most iconic Disney villain songs. Most certainly. Poor unfortunate souls in pain, in need. This one longing to be thinner, that one wants to get the girl, and do I help them? Yes, indeed. I also know a fun fact about Pat Carroll is that she was at one point enlisted in the Army, the United States Army. She was a civilian actress technician, whatever that means. Hmm. I think that means she was involved in performing for the troops to keep morale up. I see. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Next up, Samuel E. Wright. Yes, the late, great Samuel E. Wright, who was the voice of Sebastian the Crab. His voice, at least, is certainly incredibly famous for that song, which won a Best Song Oscar. Samuel E. Wright was originally from South Africa, but sang in a Jamaican accent for that song. He also had a big role on Broadway as Mufasa in the original cast of The Lion King on Broadway. Yeah, that's right. And my uncle worked on the original production of it, and he remembers that. Oh, fascinating. What did your uncle do for that show, Ezra? Like the puppetry and costumes. Wow, that's incredibly important, especially for The Lion King. I know that Samuel Lee Wright also voiced Kron, the Iguanodon in the Disney's 2000 film Dinosaur. Oh, that must have been a fun character to voice. I know that he uh, reprised his role as Sebastian in the Little Mermaid uh, TV show, as well as in the two direct-to-video follow-up movies. 
Interesting. As for live action films, I know Samuel E. Wright actually played the incredibly famous trumpet player Dizzy Gillespie in a documentary about Charlie Parker, who was a famous saxophonist. Interesting. Yes. I know that the late great Samuel E. Wright passed away a couple years ago at the age of 74. That's right. It was an unfortunate loss. It was almost two years ago to the day. I know. Yes. And I know the two songs he performed, of course, that we remember are Under the Sea and Kiss the Girl. My favorite songs from the whole movie. Ariel, listen to me. The human world, it's a mess. Life under the sea is better than anything they got up there. Under the sea. Under the sea. Last but not least, who we're just talking about is none other than Jody Benson. Jody voiced the lead character in The Little Mermaid, Ariel. Yes, she's the voice of the titular protagonist. But she also voiced a lot of other characters in a lot of other Disney films. So many that it'd be hard to list all of them on here. Like, I'll give a few. Like, she was in a non-Disney film from Don Bluth, Thumbelina. And she also voiced Barbie in the Toy Story movies. And voiced Lady in the direct-to-video sequel Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventures, and Anita Ratcliffe in the 101 Dalmatians sequel, Patch's London Adventure. That's right. She also worked on Balto Wolf Quest and Balto 3, Wings of Change. Uh And she appeared in Enchanted as Patrick Dempsey's personal assistant. Yes, she and also Paige O'Hara, the voice of Belle, appeared in it as well. That's right. Jodie Benson was in one of our trivia questions a while back. I know. And she was in the 2011 animated film based on the classic book, The Little Engine That Could. So she is an established Disney actress. And deservingly so, because of this, she was made a Disney legend. That's right. And of the song, of course, she sang was none other than Ariel's song that we all remember as part of your world. Absolutely. One fun fact I will mention about Jodie Benson She first made her debut on stage, just like Samuel E. Wright, in a musical about Marilyn Monroe, directed by Kenny Ortega, in 1983. And later on Broadway, she had a starring role in the musical Smile. And in that musical, she sang a song called Disneyland, which was written by Howard Ashman, who would go on to write the lyrics for The Little Mermaid. Yeah, the late Howard Ashman, who also wrote music for... Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin as well. Indeed. Yeah. So she was actually in a musical written by him and sang a song called Disneyland, which is a funny full circle moment. All right. Anything you want to say about any of these three Little Mermaid actors, Ezra? Great, fun, interesting facts about the characters and also how we could reference some of the unforgettable songs from the classic film we're going to talk about very soon. Of course. All right. Let's move on into our feature presentation. So The Little Mermaid, I know the story behind it is that the idea of this of it, which is, of course, based on a very famous Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. And I know it's as early as the 1950s is when Disney initially developed the idea originally as part of a package film, but that never saw fruition. But I think it was by the 80s when Disney went back to developing a film based on The Little Mermaid. Yes, And that package that it was going to be a part of was going to be a film 
portraying several of Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale stories, but it was ultimately scrapped and they decided to make The Little Mermaid its own thing, like you said. Yes. So a note about the original Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, it does, like many of these fairy tales that are the origin for Disney films, have a little bit of a darker tone. And it also has religious undertones because instead of just wanting to become a human to be with the prince, the Little Mermaid wants to become a human in part because her grandmother tells her that humans have eternal souls that live on in heaven. So there's a religious component to the Little Mermaid's transformation. Interesting. Yes, I know. And also the main character who didn't have a name because only the Disney version, her name is Ariel. Yes, which is probably to make her a little more relatable, don't you think? Yes, yes. But in the original story, who the Little Mermaid it was the, pro, the t- main character and protagonist didn't have a name and sadly at the end turned to seafoam. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it did have a tragic ending. But it's great Disney wanted to make their own and make it a lot happier. Indeed. So that 1989 animated film was directed by John Musker and Ron Clemens. And then Howard Ashman, who we mentioned earlier, and Alan Menken, our guy, did the music. Yes. And I know that John Musker and Ron Clemens, this is their only their second film they directed. Their first they directed was from three years earlier, a film called The Great Mouse Detective. Was that movie successful? Well, not the most, but it was more successful than the film before it, The Black Cauldron, which was a disaster, financially and critically. Gotcha. That's right, because didn't The Little Mermaid start the Disney renaissance? Yes, but its previous film, which also the late Howard Ashman did, was Oliver and Company, which was a loose take on Charles Dickens' Oliver. And also a musical, right? Yes. So... Remind us what the Disney Renaissance period was that included these films. After The Little Mermaid came uh, The Forgettable Rescuers done under a sequel to The Rescuers, but then more memorable, better-known movies like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King, which were some successful musicals with unforgettable songs that won many awards and became some of Disney's most iconic films ever. And why was it called The Renaissance Period? Um, Because it was like a revival after a period of darkness. Yeah, so people consider these films, including The Little Mermaid, as being rejuvenating for Disney as a movie producer because they had a dark period where they weren't doing very well, like you said, Ezra, with their movies. And then after those first sub-few films, the other five were Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, and Tarzan. All smash hits. Yeah. So how did The Little Little Mermaid do when it first came out? It was universally acclaimed from critics and audiences alike and was a commercial success. $84 million at the box office when it first released. Yes. And it started the Disney Renaissance and so many people loved it. And most people love it to this very day for its unforgettable music, like Part of Your World, Under the Sea, Poor Unfortunate Souls, Kiss the Girls, and some other catchy songs from the beloved film. Definitely. And even that year, The Little Mermaid won Best Original Score at the Oscars, as well as Best Original Song for Under the Sea. That's right. Now I want to talk about the story and the characters of the film. Go for it. The Little Mermaid, as we remember, was about a playful and and mischievous young mermaid named Ariel, who dreamed of living on land and being a human. 
And I know she had a strict and overprotective father named King Triton, who thought humans were dangerous and didn't want her going toward the surface. That's right. But one day she goes to the surface and she sees this prince whom she ultimately winds up saving his life because he falls off his ship. Yes. And then um, his name is Eric and Ariel, of course, instantly falls in love with him. Which causes her to want to be a human even more. And along her journey, who goes with her is her fish friend, Blounder, and who acts as her conscience is Sebastian, the crab who's King Triton's court composer. That's right. And Sebastian isn't just, you know, her sidekick sing-along friend. Like you said, Ezra, he really is her conscience. He guides her along the way. He warns her when he doesn't agree with what she's doing. He's an important friend character. Yes, I know. And later, Ariel makes a deal with the evil sea witch, Ursula, in exchange to become human, but only under one condition. Ariel is forced to give her voice. Which is tragic because as we hear throughout the movie, she has a beautiful voice. Yes, and in Ariel first become humans, she has some exciting happy times with Eric, even without her voice. But then the evil sea witch, Versala, disguises herself as Vanessa to trick Eric that she was the girl who saved his life and sang to him and to keep Ariel from falling in love. That's right. And that's where the Disney version of The Little Mermaid differs a little bit from the Hans Christian Andersen version, but it makes it more interesting because Ursula is a more clear villain. Yes, I know. And I know when the sun does set, Ariel finally gets her voice, but she turns back into a human and Ursula is about to make her her slave once and for all. But then King Triton comes and to save his daughter and stop Ursula during the climax. And then once again, Ariel makes a deal with Ursula for her father to take his place, and then Eric comes to the rescue, and then Ursula turns into a monster. That's right, and there's a giant clash. And then, ultimately, Ursula meets her demise. That's right, and it's a happy ending, thankfully. Yes, where Ariel does end up living in as part of our world. And she marries Eric. Yes, I forgot to mention Scuttle, this hilarious and clever seagull who called different human objects funny names, like a fork, a dinglehopper. <laughs> That's right. That's a classic scene where Ariel is explaining all of these different human objects that mermaids don't know, and she calls a fork a dinglehopper. <laughs> yes, and Scuttle calls us a smoke part of sm our snarf blat. I thought you really liked Scuttle. He was so funny. He was funny, and these names that they came up for our human objects were also quite funny. Scuttle was voiced by the late comedian Buddy Hackett. Fitting that he was voiced by a comedian. Yes, and he, Buddy Hackett is known for making a lot of people laugh. Ezra, why don't we move on to, into talking about the new movie coming out here in a few days? Like the little, the live action remake is out in theaters on May 26th, and it has Halle Bailey, who's a black girl playing Ariel. That's right, which was awesome to see. Finally, a... Black women is being represented in a live action Disney film. The world is very excited for this. And it sounds like she has an incredible voice. So I'm excited to hear her sing. I know. And it'll be it'll be the latest to Disney's trend of remakes. Yes. And it's got the powerhouse star Melissa McCarthy playing Ursula. I know. Yes. And it'll be great. And I forgot to mention that there's in the 1990s, there was a TV show of The Little Mermaid, which acted as a prequel to the film, which was about Ariel 
during her underwater adventures. Oh, I didn't know about that. And I remember the direct-to-video sequel, The Little Mermaid 2, Return to the Sea, where it was about, where it focused on Melody, Ariel and Eric's daughter. That's right, and it provided a little more insight into their family. And it had some fun new characters, and it had Morgana, the sister of Ursula, who was the new villain. Mm-hmm. And then there was The Little Mermaid 3, Ariel's Beginning, which was a prequel to The Little Mermaid, and it was about Ariel during her youth. Interesting. And it's also no surprise The Little Mermaid even became a musical for Broadway. Of course, and it's a high production musical considering the entire thing happens under the sea. Yes, and it had like some new songs and new versions of the unforgettable songs from the beloved movie. Yes, it's a very clever production. And I know there have been like attractions at Disney parks like Disneyland and Disney World have the Little Mermaid Ariel's Undersea Adventure, which is at California Adventure. But at Magic Kingdom, it's called Under the Sea Journey to the Little Mermaid. There's also been Voyage of the Little Mermaid, a stage show at Disney's Hollywood Studios, as well as Mermaid Lagoon in uh, Tokyo Disney Sea and King Triton's Carousel, which later became a Toy Story-based attraction called Jesse's Critter Carousel at Disney California Adventure. Wow, so a lot of the Little Mermaid-themed Disney parks. And it's that classic film, of course, has made a lot of toys and merchandise, especially how Ariel's an official Disney princess. Of course. Yeah, I don't see Ariel, I don't see the hype and recognition of the Little Mermaid dying anytime soon, especially with this remake coming out. Yes, and Sebastian did appear in the 1990 show Marsupilami. Little cameo. Yes, and I remember The Little Mermaid was re-released for, for around the holidays of 1997. And in 2013, there was going to have a 3D re-release, but it was canceled because of the underperformances of previous 3D re-releases, but however, was re-released only at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood in 2013. Gotcha. The Little Mermaid is such a beloved, unforgettable masterpiece that that is very iconic that we all know today and is very beloved by both kids and grown-ups. Indeed. It's got something for everyone, and now especially with this new, awesome, more representative movie coming out, I'm hoping that everyone is really loves it. Yeah. Awesome. Let's move on into trivia. We have to answer our question from last episode about Finding Nemo. Another film that takes place underwater. And the question was, who voiced Gil, the scar-faced fish that was in the tank with little Nemo in the dentist's office? It was um, legendary actor Willem Dafoe. That's right. So I wonder if they based the fish off of him a little bit. Yeah. All right. And for this week, we've got a question about the Little Mermaid. And that is, who was the actor who voiced Sir Grimsby, Eric's loyal steward? And what other characters from older Disney films did he did he voice? If you think you know the answer, be sure to tune in to next episode. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! Bye.